We're talking about revival. The Lord is just led in this direction. And um, I don't know when we'll be getting back to Hebrews. We will. I, we will. Maybe before the Y2K disaster, uh, or whatever that's called. And we'll be talking about that sometime, too. A lot of people have had questions about it. The word from the Lord is, don't worry, be happy. It's going to be okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But... Um, Mark chapter 9, I just want you to read this, and, and we, I'll get back to this here, but I want to just kind of lay it out there, starting with verse 38. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. Um, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. I love these guys, the disciples. Um, and we tried to hinder him. Because he was not following us. <clears throat> he, no, he was casting out demons. But he wasn't doing it our way. So we tried to hinder him. And, and John clearly is kind of bragging here. You know, he's bragging, he's frustrated because apparently the guy kept on doing it. So here are the apostles of the Lord. I try to get this picture. The apostles of the Lord, uh, the stalwarts of the faith, are seeing somebody successfully casting demons out of somebody and they try to stop him. And the reason they try to stop him is because they're not part of, he's not part of their club. Jesus said, no doubt with shaking his head and weaving his toes through the sand in despair, looking on the ground, don't hinder him, for there is no one who shall perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever, or it could be, in fact, whoever, gives a cup of, of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Pray with me here. Father, uh, let your spirit just hover over this message. Lord, I stand personally in awe of you. Just seeing what I see this last week and hearing what I've heard this last week, I, am, I marvel at your greatness and I praise you for it. And we just pray together, Lord, we are of one mind here, that your word would go forth and change us. Continue to do the awesome, outstanding work that you specialize in doing. Uh, Lord, anoint your word. Let your spirit fall here. Lord, let it have fire. Let it have conviction. Lord, I pray that you would free me Free me to be totally responsive to the Holy Spirit, however he may lead. And it may be in a direction that I don't anticipate. But Lord, my commitment is to be yielded for you to do your will in our midst. We pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to start by saying this. Um, there's no competition between churches at all. Uh, there's not like an elite club or who's the better club or anything like that. At the same time, I do think it's good, it's okay and good to feel good about who you are uh, and, and, and to be happy with who you are and to say that out loud. And I want to say that out loud. Um, I, I just want to tell you that I feel so honored to uh, have the opportunity to serve you by doing what I love to do, by just bringing forth the word. I, I, I feel honored. I love you guys. And I know that I speak on behalf of, of all those who are involved in ministry here at Woodland Hills Church. Um, I, I am honored. 
uh, to be a part of this body and to have a role uh, in, in this body. I just feel the, led to say that. Um, I am proud of what God is doing in our midst. Uh, can I just share this with you? I, this last week we had this harvest evangelism uh, thing where on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night we prayed over the radio. Uh, some leaders in the, some pastors in the Twin Cities prayed in a number of, of all around the city. Uh, in fact, even beyond the city, people were tuned in via radio to the station and praying with the, the pastors. There's such power in doing the same thing at the same time. I, I got to tell you that. Um, and and I, I was in the studio on Tuesday night, and the power of God was present there in an outstanding way. And I think there's about a thousand things we could do better about that radio broadcast. And I think hopefully next year it will be better. You know, they, it's like they dragged, and I'm sitting there thinking, come on, you got to. Anyways, in spite of that, it can really be made better. But God moved and blessed because of it. One of the things they did on these evenings was they asked people who were, uh, who were participating uh, in this lighthouse of prayer, making your house a lighthouse of prayer, to call in and just register your house as a lighthouse of prayer so they kind of know what areas are being covered. And um, uh, I have heard from them, and they're just kind of blown away by this, that one out of five calls were from people at Woodland Hills Church. And I am so impressed. I'm just, praise God. I'm just, it is a delight to have, to be with a people who are so responsive to the Word of God. And what really amazes me is I know about, um, oh, a dozen or more people who were doing this, including myself, um, who didn't call in. Um, I heard that and I just thought, well, what does that mean? I'm not going to do it. But um, <laughs> that's a great example. Um, so I, I don't know how many other people were, were doing this on one or all three of the evenings who didn't call in. But I just thank God for what He's doing here. There was a prophecy given uh, about Woodland Hills Church several weeks ago by Cindy Jacobs, who is a recognized prophetic voice in our, in our culture. And, and it had to do with just how God wants to use us. And it's only about that. Okay? We're not talking categories of better, worse, got it, don't got it, or anything like that. It's just how God wants to use a people. No different than the individual gifts that we have. Um, but God wants to use Woodland Hills Church in some leadership capacities for setting a precedent and for being used to motivate other churches towards unity and revival. Um, he wants to use us in this way. In fact, He is using us in this way, and I didn't know this. I, I'm just finding this out recently. Um, God wants to... It is just an honor to be part of this. And what I know for sure is that the only, ceiling upon, uh, that, the only ceiling on what God can do through us is the limitations of our faith. And I would challenge you, as I challenge myself, to just not let that be an issue, to take the ceiling off, and to dream dreams, and to see visions, and to pray in that direction. Amen? Amen. i got to also share this. I do plan on preaching, but I just want to... So there's some things on my heart that I need to share. That was one of them. Here's another thing. I just need to give God a little bit of glory here, uh, bragging on God. This week has been an outstanding week. Um, we're just seeing God move in, in different ways. Uh, students in my Bethel class have known this this week. I've been a little out of control. I just get pumped up. I decide to stop sleeping. I get all full of fire, and I just can't control myself. I mean, I just feel like, you know, <laughs> going nuts. I, you see it. God is just so... God is so real, and He's so good, and He's doing such good things. Um, 
one thing after another. I, let me just give you a couple little bulletin items, all right? Sunday night, we had this, this service here. had about 300 people here or so. Uh, other churches were represented. And I was told that this was one of the first ecumenical services that St. Paul, which has a stronghold of division that we got to break down, but it's one of the first ecumenical services that they've ever had. Sunday night, we invited other churches in, and the, the goal here was to launch off this harvest evangelism thing. And we were going to have, have um, Ed Silvoso, who was preaching in Emmanuel Christian Center, uh, beamed in or through cable. We were going to watch him on this huge screen over here. That makes me nervous because I hate technology. It never works for me. If, uh, if, if, if I touch it, it breaks. If I have anything to do with it, it breaks. I don't know what it is, but I just never trust it. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, you know I want to try this, but I really don't. And I'm a, I'm a pessimist and I'm negative about the whole thing. Uh, and, you know, several times it looked like we couldn't do it. We just don't have the equipment for it. And so I'm like saying, well, of course we don't. Let's not even try. Well, to make a long story short, people like Joe Cote and Bill Trigg and, and others wouldn't give up. And they kept on saying, we can find a way to do this. And they did it. So Sunday night, we had this thing operating. Five minutes before the service, it was operating wonderfully, perfectly. We start the service, we do a little worship. Uh, Dave Thompson, who's sort of uh, Ed Silvoso's right-hand man, is leading us then in some talking about prayer and some other things. And then it comes time to turn on the, the cable and watch Ed Silvoso preach this message from Emanuel Christian Center. We turn it on and nothing happens. It's blank. It is Zippo. Uh, we, we can't find the station. It was all set up so you just have to press one button and it would work. We press the button and it's a blank screen. So immediately we just start pressing a hundred buttons in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, uh, and we're getting nothing. So Dave's up here, you know, kind of, you know, looking back and he's stretching, stretching. In the meantime, the, the broadcast was supposed to start at seven and it's five after seven. So finally he says, and now I'm thinking, Mr. Spiritual Vivacious guy here, I'm thinking, see, I knew it, I knew it, technology, it's of the devil, we shouldn't have tried it, you know. Just, I'm so glad I wasn't leading this meeting. Um, I would have done what is contrary to all my theology. I would have said some wimpy prayer, Lord, if it's your will, let it work. I guess not. Let's go on. <laughs> but he goes, he said, is there somebody in this congregation who's got faith enough to pray against the enemy who's trying to prevent this from happening? And right away, this kid, uh, who apparently is a Bethel student, I don't know who he is, and that always scares me. It's like, you know, I, I got to let go of that stronghold. It's like, what are you doing, Dave? You know, this could be some Mooney or something, but... This guy gets up there and starts to pray. And uh, he, was, he was praying a devil tail kicking prayer. We come against. And this guy is rebuking it left and right. If you're here this morning, praise God for you. You did a great job. He's out there just coming against the enemy, coming against the demons. And two minutes into his prayer, bam, the screen is on. Full view, full sound, technicolor. Praise the Lord. And Mr. Faithfield here, you know, it took about two days for the bruise on my jaw to go away from hitting the ground. It's like, uh, God is good and he's doing great things. This last uh, week, Barry Joss got very sick. He, he had rheumatic fever as a kid and then he got strep throat. And they, that's a very scary thing. Once you've had rheumatic fever, it goes right to the heart. They're afraid of heart complications and, and things like that. They, the guy's delirious, you know, even worse than normal. And uh, so they bring him to the hospital. He's pretty much incoherent. And uh, they do a, a scan on his heart, and his heart is enlarged. So they're very scared. They, they, they commit him to, to the hospital. His heart's enlarged. They're afraid it's doing damage. They give him some, to make matters worse, they give him some uh, uh, antibiotic, antibacterial medicine to uh, <laughs> knock out the strep throat. I got a PhD. Um, LAUGHTER 
They gave him some medicine to knock out the, 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 the stuff. <laughs> the white junk in the throat. He has an allergic reaction. He goes into this thing where he can't breathe. He's suffocating. He's totally... They have to pin him to the bed. I mean, it was really a bad situation. And they're, they're scared. You can die from this sort of thing. And uh, um, so they, they then have to try some other medicines just to get him to, to knock down. He's looking in very, very bad shape. Saturday morning, we had a group here that was going to be reaching out to the, the community around. And there's some great testimonies about that that I just can't get into. But... Um, uh, I mentioned about Barry, because he was supposed to be heading this up, and I just mentioned how last night he was really in a state of, of trauma, and things were going bad and whatnot, and Cheryl called around, and we were praying for him, you know, last night and whatever, and at least a dozen people of the people who were there said, you know what, last night, the same, I felt led by God to intercede for him. I just felt led to do some intercessory stuff. And uh, that just is so confirming about how God takes care of his people, there's a crisis happening here. If people are listening, if their ears tuned in, they, God will speak to you, and they did intercession for him. Saturday morning, I'm there visiting him, 7 o'clock in the morning, and as I'm talking to him, the, the tests come back. They did new tests on him. They don't find any problem with the heart. The swelling is gone. There's no damage. The guy gets a clean bill of health. He's getting out of the hospital this afternoon. Praise God. He might have been having surgery. God is good. God is good. God is good. Let me give you one other one. Uh, just because this has been a theme. And if you're visiting here, you won't get the impact of this. So just put up with it for a few minutes. But um, my neighbor. <laughs> okay. Last week, I was like dancing the jig because she waved to me. Remember that? And, and if, you know, if you knew the history of this, you would be saying, yes, this is equivalent to parting the Red Sea. I, there, see, this praying, this idea of blessing your neighbors, please continue to do it. It changes the climate of things. And... Uh, Wednesday night, I was uh, doing this, uh, I, I was tuned into the station, I was doing this prayer for my neighborhood, but I have to take care of the kids, so I'm out there, I've got a Walkman on, I've got one plug in my ear, and I'm playing uh, this um, water balloon baseball with my son, where I throw him a water balloon and he hits it and smashes and we all laugh. Um, <laughs> so I'm playing this, and then little, Desh little boy in our house, is, little Deshaun is playing with us, whatever Nathan admits he gets to hit, and it's a cool game. So... But as we're doing this, I'm praying all the while. I'm telling Nathan what I'm doing because he's wondering why I'm talking to myself. And I said, well, you know, as, as I pitch it, I'm praying for my neighbors. And he's like, cool. And, you know, as long as you pitch it, he doesn't care. So I'm praying, okay, and, and just kind of doing this thing, blessing the neighborhood. Out walks my neighbor, um, and, uh, it, which is itself cool. It's, I never saw her out this late. So I'm just praying, you know. I'm not like, you know, going towards her like this or anything. You know? um, I'm just in my spirit praying for her. And, okay, last week she waved to me. This week she walked over, yes, walked over to me as I'm praying for her. And I'm just, it was like, my son dropped the bat. He was like, you know. <laughs> he immediately thought we were in trouble. Uh, it, it, we've never had a conversation like this that wasn't about some major issue. And so I figured it must be God's will, Mr. Spiritual, must be God's will to stop praying right now and now... <laughs> Kind of enjoy the result of the prayer. And so we had this conversation. And again, if she didn't fall on her knees, except Jesus Christ or her Savior, or anything like that. But this is a monument. There's a climate change. It was a friendly, wonderful kind of a conversation. So I, it is an answer to prayer. I encourage you to be doing that. We are blessing machines. We're to be out there interceding on behalf of the world around us. And uh, salt were to be to the world. And light were to be to the world. A source of blessing to the world around us. And that's how God will use us. One final thing. 
And that is, we did a City Reacher School of Evangelism this week. And uh, I just love the vision that is being caught here by pastors. A vision for the community, a vision for the city, a vision for the state, a vision for the nation, a vision for the world. And the awareness that we are going to win. And God's calling us now, here and now, to do something about it. And the key to the whole thing is unity. The Lord woke me up at, uh, on Wednesday uh, in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was going on a different track I was going to be preaching on. And the Lord said this. And now I'm getting to the, to the rub of what I want to preach on here this morning. The Lord just said this. Greg, would you ever encourage anyone to get into a marriage if they've got baggage from an old relationship? I, I woke up and bam, it was right there. And I, and I thought to myself, of course not. That'd be stupid. And the Lord said, you have got many people in your congregation who have old baggage from old churches that they have not resolved. Okay, now let's let that sit there, and I'm going to come back to that. And this was really a clear thing from the Lord. And it is hindering, it is to some degree hindering them individually and us collectively. There was a, 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 a major prayer of reconciliation that occurred uh, on Wednesday between the churches of St. Paul and Minneapolis. A major reconciliation. There's been reconciliation prayers prayed all week between the races, between the genders, uh, and just between individual churches. And the Lord is driving home a message. It is, it is so unbelievably exciting how it's coming so clearly to different people that the key to our going forward is getting united. Not just united as an, a local body, as lo individual local bodies, but with the church as a whole. I'm going to do a 10-minute teaching, and then we're going to do some prayer here. Here's the 10-minute teaching. God is a social God. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He therefore created a world that is social through and through. And the main point we need to see about that is this. Things work best when they are done in relationship, and they don't work well when they're done out of relationship. God designed it that way because he wants his creation to bring glory to him, to reflect his nature, and he's a social God. Lone Ranger Christians just do not get it. They might even have some success in their ministry. They might be doing some good things, but it is nothing compared to what they could be doing if they were in relationship with others and doing ministry as a team. God set it up this way. This is why the Lord says, where two are, that if any two of you will agree on earth as touching anything in heaven, if there's an agreement and you're praying that, then it will be done for them, for my Father in heaven. Where there are people who are praying together, are seeing eye to eye, are working together, God honors that in a way that supersedes what he would do with individuals. Now, God honors individual prayers. Don't, don't minimize that. He blesses individual prayers. Don't minimize that. But there's something that happens when we get together and there's a unity, when we express a unity of love and there's an agreement and there's a solidarity. There's something that happens in the spiritual realm where the power of the prayer is increased exponentially. One of us can put a thousand to flight, the Bible says, a thousand warriors, a thousand demons against us. One of us has the authority to put a thousand to flight. And you'd expect them to say that two of us can put two thousand to flight. But it doesn't say that. It says two of us can set legions fleeing. Legions. That's 6,000 demons. You see, the power of two is not a power of addition. It's a power of multiplication, praise God. This is why it is so crucial, so crucial that the church of Jesus Christ begins to understand the importance of relationships, the importance of community, and the importance of unity and solidarity with one another. 
This is why the prayer this week, it may even seem silly to some, tuning into a radio station to pray prayers that pastors are praying over the radio waves. But you see, the fact that we are doing it together in solidarity, in agreement at the same time, has got an exponential power to it that individuals praying separately would not have. Amen? God ordained it that way. This is why I believe he says, one of his last prayers, we preached that on many times, and we'll preach on it again many times, but he prayed, Father, I pray that they may be one, even as we are one, that the world may know that you have sent me. Now, I've always thought that meant, and I'm sure it does in part mean, that when the world can see our love for one another, when the world can see our unity amidst our differences, the world will then know that Jesus Christ is for real, because only Jesus Christ could bring about that love, and that's a true thing. There's another application that I'd never thought of, but it occurred to me Wednesday night at 2 in the morning, and that is this. The world will know that Jesus Christ is for real when the church is one, as Jesus Christ is one, when the church is social in the same way that God is social, when the church is in love in the same way that God is love, when the church reflects the glory of the head of the church. When we do that, the world will know that Jesus Christ is for real, partly because they'll see our love, but also because... There is such a power in that kind of a unity. If you want God's power, you've got to act or manifest God's love. And when the church begins to unite and begins to get together, begins to have agreement with one another, begins to act like a team, one team under one head, there's a power to our prayers that are not otherwise there. Our evangelism has power to the extent that our evangelism is unified. Amen? Our prayers have power to the extent that we are united with others praying. Our sermons have an anointing when they are preached out of relationship with other pastors who are preaching sermons. Our ability to come against strongholds is increased exponentially as we're doing it out of a unity that the church is supposed to have. Everything the church is about and everything the church is supposed to do, everything the church believes, every territory that the church takes back is increased exponentially when we do it in relationship with other churches. When we act like one church with one faith, under one head, under one Lord, against one common enemy. Amen? It's the unity of the church. Everything hangs upon it. This is why the Lord said, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. A kingdom divided against itself can't possibly stand. That's how he proved to the Pharisees that he was not casting out demons by demons. You can't have a kingdom divided against itself. What applies to the kingdom of darkness also applies to the kingdom of God. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And to the extent that the kingdom of God, represented by the body of Christ, is divided against itself, it does not stand the way God would have it to stand. It does not accomplish what God would want it to accomplish. It's got power. Thank God for the Holy Spirit and, and the degree of unity we do have. It does do great things. But if there is, Holy Spirit, land this on our brains. If there is one thing that keeps the church from taking over the planet is the fact that we are not operating as a single team. You wonder why you see these Mormon commercials on TV that just kind of touch the heart and it, it, it preaches Mormonism. And you ask yourself the question, why doesn't the Christian church have that? We ought to have advertisements about you know, the, the Bible and about Jesus Christ and, and whatever. And you know, there, we have advertisements about that. I spent Thursday morning talking with a bunch of pastors viewing some of these commercials and they're so powerful. But you know why we don't? It's because we don't consolidate our funds and pay the price they put them on the air. The Mormon church is united. So often the church of Jesus Christ has been divided by petty little territorial, ter ter territorialism, which says, if, it's, if, I, if, it's, if there's not something directly in it for me, I'm not going to do it. If I didn't think of the idea, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to jump on someone else's bandwagon. What's in it for me? I might actually lose sheep by doing that. That is from the pit of hell. 
right from the pit of hell. That divisiveness is from the pit of hell. That territorialism, that spirit of envy and jealousy is from the pit of hell. That's what keeps the church from being what the church is supposed to be. Jesus said here in the passage we read, and see, the disciples had the same carnal mind that a lot of churches have today. The disciples had this idea that here's a guy, he's casting out demons. Apparently he's pretty effective. Now, he, he, he's not following us, so he's not getting the good teaching that we're getting, so he probably has got some flaky ideas. And plus, he's not kosher. I mean, we didn't, we didn't certify him, this guy casting out demons. He's not one of us. Ah, he doesn't know what he's doing, because we follow you, you know, and, and he doesn't. So he's using your name. Okay, we'll grant you that. But, but he's not one of us. He's not part of our club. He's not, he's not the Jesus denomination. So we try to stop him. You don't have it right. You don't do it right. You don't say it right. You do it. And Jesus said, don't hinder him. If, don't hinder him. Because if, if he's not against us, he's for us. And what the Lord is saying there, if we can just grasp it as he's saying this, do not try to pigeonhole the kingdom of God. Don't you dare try to pigeonhole the kingdom of God. Put your little parameters around it, and it's got to be our way, and you've got to have exactly our beliefs, and it's got to be exactly right by our criteria, and you've got to just, you know, have our little kosher stuff on it, and it's got to look the way we think it should look, and it's got to sound the way we think it should sound. And if it doesn't, if, it's, if there's something that we think is off about it, we're going to try to stop it. We're going to try to hinder it. Kingdom working against itself. Don't micromanage the kingdom of God. This isn't about saying that we shouldn't acknowledge that there are doctrinal diversities. There are. There's church structure diversities and, and all sorts of diversities. And I don't think we should pretend like those aren't there. In fact, I think it's good to talk about them and to debate them and to write books on them and let's grow by dialoguing with one another. But for goodness sake, we're at war. Don't stop firing at the enemy in order to start reconciling your differences and then divide over them. It's like this. It's like a picture I get of two people in a foxhole. They're shooting at an enemy. Bullets are flying, guns are flying, grenades are flying. It's war, right? We're in war. And so they're shooting at the enemy. And one of them notices that the other guy has got a different kind of a gun. He doesn't like this guy's gun that much. Doesn't, well, he doesn't fire as accurate as his gun does, you know. Can't, can't load it as fast as his gun. This guy must not have taken the right lessons because he's not shooting. His, his percentage of hits is less than, than my percentage. And, uh, and so you just kind of point that out. You know, hey, you, know, you, you have a defective gun. The guy goes, the other guy goes, no, no, I, I like my gun. Yours is defective. <laughs> so they're firing. And they start arguing about it. Now, what do you mean? That's not how guns are supposed to be fired. Your gun, that's an archaic gun. This is the right gun. And you know what? The guy who started the whole thing might have been right. He might have been perfectly right. Maybe he's got the superior gun and the superior techniques and the superior everything. Let's give him that. But now he's arguing with the guy about it while the bullets are flying. And here's what the devil does. He gets us now turning and firing on each other. So now, in the foxhole, we are shooting at each other, and the enemy all the while is saying, strategy worked, because the kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And so we've got churches that are just unwilling sometimes to get on board, to get the church reconciled, to get the church united. You know, the thing is, we've got to come to this understanding that, yes, there's differences. We've got to be okay with that. Let's talk about them. Let's dialogue about them. Let's debate them. That's fun. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. There's not a marriage in this building here this morning where the husband and wife agree on everything. But that doesn't mean you can't be united. Unity is not exact harmony. It's not homogeny. It's a unity amidst diversity. Somebody say amen. It's a unity amidst diversity. You're okay with that because you, what you have that unites you is bigger than what you have that divides you. And so it is with the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we, you, know, you baptize this way, I baptize this way. You do church structure this way, I do it this way. You got this view of God's sovereignty, I got this view of sovereignty. You got this view of the future, I got this view of the future. You interpret the passage that way, I interpret it this way. You know, yeah, let's learn, let's grow, let's talk. 
But we've got to know this. What we have in common, we've got a common Lord. We've got a common God. We've got a common salvation. We've got a common deliverance. We've got a common mission to the world. And we've got a common enemy that we're fighting. And so what we have in common dwarfs in significance what divides us. Let's unite in Jesus' name. Let's unite as we're together in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. So here's the thing, and I'm just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit here. Um, where do, how do we do this? How do we do this? Like everything else in the kingdom of God, it's got to happen inconspicuously, and it starts in the individual heart. And I want to right now lead us in a prayer of forgiveness. Because what I'm aware of is this. Many of us, including moi, come from backgrounds. Maybe this is why you're here instead of someplace else where you were hurt by a church and you haven't forgiven the pastor or you haven't forgiven the church. And as long as you're holding on to that, I'm not saying that what happened was right or maybe you just have been gossiping about them. I'm not saying that what the church did was right. I'm not even saying, maybe they're absolute heretics, maybe they're ungodly. That doesn't absolve you from the responsibility as a child of God from re releasing them and forgiving them and then praying for blessing for them. <laughs>